0: What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films.
1: Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. This is our ongoing film discussion and review show, along with some film news and recommendations. And as always, I'm Alan Jackson with the Foot Candle Film Society and Foot Candle Film Festival and across the table with me on the other microphone, Chris Fry, also with the Foot Candle Film Festival and Foot Candle Film Society. How you doing, Chris? I am doing well. I'm
2: uh, excited to talk about movies. Always always fun to do that.
1: So. This is always a good time. We yeah. enjoy getting together. We, we, The whole back story here, I mean, Chris and I talked movies all the time anyway, so this I true. think a few years ago, we just figured, well, let's just, let's put some mics in front of us and see if anybody else wants to hear us talk about <laughs> right. movies. So um, <laughs> We enjoy yeah. talking about movies. Let's make other people. Let's make other us. people enjoy right. talking about movies too. <laughs> um, what we do in this show is we have a couple of new releases that we will discuss and review. We're going to give our takes on. Uh, and then we're going to move into some movie news where we're going to talk about some upcoming projects that sound interesting, or maybe we just heard about and want to see how the uh, other one of us will react. And at the end of the show, we both give a recommendation of a film that we think is worth checking out. Could be a new film, could be an older film, something we just revisited. And we want to recommend that you can check out online yourself as well. So with that, Chris, we have two film reviews this episode. First off, we're going to be discussing the film Belfast, which is written and directed by Kenneth Branagh based on his own real life experiences as a child. And we'll be reviewing that film, followed by the latest film with Marashala Ali, which come to find out this is his first starring lead role in a film, which I couldn't even fathom that. But it is the film Apple TV original film Swan Song we'll be discussing. So, Chris, between that, some news, recommendations, we got a lot to cover. So, you ready to hop on into the first one? Let's get started. All right, let's go into the review of the film, Belfast.
0: We all have a story to tell. But what makes each one different is not how the story ends, but rather the place where it begins. We God. Mama says if we went across the water,
2: they wouldn't understand the way we talk. If they can't understand you, then they're not listening. You know who you are, don't you? Your buddy from Belfast, where everybody knows you. Hey! Hey!
1: Chris, with Belfast, we have a film that's chronicling the life of a working-class Northern Irish Protestant family from the perspective of their nine-year-old son, That's all taking place during the time known as the troubles in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Um, When I say that nine year old son, what I'm really saying is Kenneth Branagh writer director who wrote this film based off of his own personal experiences growing up in Belfast during this time. So it's a very close to autobiographical film. My understanding is it's not hundred percent autobiographical, but it's certainly inspired by his own experiences and his families in this area. Um, So Chris, here's the checklist of things when I look at Belfast, like I see all the information about the movie Belfast before I even watch it It is a historical drama. It is based on a real life situation and based on the real life of the writer director. It is shot in black and white and it has Judi Dench in it. Right away, that just kind of all encapsulates to say, oh, yes, of course, this is going to be nominated for a lot of awards come award season. But my question to you is, Chris, after actually watching the film, where do you stand on how this film needs to be considered or not considered uh, when it comes to? Award season here very, very shortly, by the way, Academy Awards being nominated, being announced nominations just in the next week or two. So we're trying to beat that curve by right. getting your opinion. And I'm sure they and. will take into
2: account what we say here today. So yes. we need to really be careful with what we say, because uh, we could determine the future as we often do, That's of true. course, with the Academy Awards. Um, Belfast to me is the equivalent of a cinematic Big Mac. Mm-hmm. um meaning that if you want a hamburger and you want to know exactly what you're going to get no surprises no things to like you know shock your palate for good or bad um you can go to McDonald's and order a Big Mac and you know what you're going to get um for me you know I usually enjoy something a little bit more that has something more to offer you know like you know some more something cinematically more refreshing mm-hmm. um, out of the ordinary. That said, there's, I don't, you know, there's, there's been a lot of polarization around Belfast. Uh, when it was released and a lot of people said really liked it and championed specifically the performance of Jude Hill as buddy or, you know, young Kenneth Branagh, or they talked about the cinematography of the film, both things, which I will say, yeah, they're good. Um mm-hmm. now Jude Hill. Maybe I'm a little higher on than remarking on the cinematography because in a lot of aspects, I feel like uh, the reason people are mentioning this cinematography is because it's just black and white. Right. <laughs> Whereas if this yeah. were in color, I don't think people would be, you know, mm-hmm. going bonkers about it. Um, so that was kind of my overall takeaway, and I can dig into some other things that you know I may mm-hmm. have appreciated or bothered me a little bit. Um, but what was your what's your initial take on uh, Belfast, Alan?
1: Um, there are some. This movie has some really great moments mm, okay but the stuff in between the moments didn't work for me so it, it, it's it, it seemed like a film and again i, I will say in general i'm going to you know, if i'm asked by people should i go see belfast i'm gonna say well i think it's going to work for most people because i do think it is i think your your analogy was good it is going to satisfy what a lot of people i think the movie is looking for I'm like you, I tend to want to look for something a little bit different, a little bit interesting, a little bit more unique. This movie, there were some moments I can, I can recall a few moments, a few conversations, a few key, key scenes. I thought that was, those were really good. Those were some good moments. That was a really nice moment. This was a really nice line of dialogue delivered. This is a really nice uh, shot we've got here. But I feel like those were kind of the keystones that the film was saying, okay, we got to hit these points. Now we've just got to stitch the rest of the film together and let's just kind of tie it together with a a narrative the best we can. That is not going to overwhelm our audience. It's not going to get too deep. It's not going to get too political. It's not going to get too religious. It's not going to get anything. It's just (laughs) going to let's just lay it out there and make it simple and palatable and easy for an audience to understand to see the situation. And I think that's what we got is a very light palatable film on a very. Uh, deep subject that, sure. that it, it seemed really, it seemed really hesitant to want to get too deep into for sure. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm not saying that a film that address it has to address Northern Ireland in the, you know, sixties has to be just as completely complex and really digging into all aspects of it. I like the fact that we're viewing this really from a family perspective, but I'll just say this. I do have some positives. I'll get into that. But, but when the general conceit of the film is, why a family that is seeing violence erupt around them in their town and they have an opportunity to leave that town. I need to believe I need to be made as a viewer to understand why they don't jump at that opportunity to leave immediately. Right. And I did not get that understanding was Like the whole time, even I'm wondering myself what I, I don't see why, they're they They have an opportunity to leave. And yet mm-hmm. the, they're saying that the reason they want to stay in Belfast is because they're so connected to the town. I never got that. I never understood that. And I think the film did kind of fail for me in that. And that that's, that's the emotional core of the film. And it just did not connect for me. So I do think it was a very surface film. It was a very high level film. It had some great performances. I think some great lines, some great pieces of dialogue, great moments. I will call out some positives a moment. Like I said, but overall the film just did not have the and not that it should have been heavy and depressing or or anything else it's just it just didn't have the weight that mm-hmm. I think it really needed to make it work as a film so
2: yeah I, I think you and i are on the exact same page with this i think i can also speak to maybe and it's 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 a me problem um i've always been curious or interested in the whole conflict with mm-hmm. you know the two sides of Protestants and the catholics and you know i've just never i mean i know i kind of have heard about the problem but I'm like i just don't i just don't get it like why mm-hmm. are they fighting what and i've you know i've heard things but just it seems so foreign to me and so you know going to this film i was like oh okay this film that's that's what this thing is here are these people they're here and yet it was so surface i didn't really get Not that I expected it to be a documentary, but I just, like you're saying, I didn't get the stakes or I didn't Mm -hmm. get what was going on. So I, I felt like I know nothing more about the, what did you call it? The, the problem in how the the troubles, the troubles, Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I learned anything more about the troubles than I did before I came to this movie. And I, I understand that, like you had said that it's kind of through a child's eyes. Mm -hmm. It's through Kenneth Branagh's eyes, you know, through the eyes of buddy. Okay. And there is a little bit of dialogue where he's kind of sitting around playfully talking about, oh, I could just say I was Protestant or say I was Catholic. And, you know, people ask me, what do I say?
1: That was one of those nice moments I call out. I'm like, yes. Okay, good. I like this. Right. But but then
2: like a little bit, a little bit more deeper explanation of that or exploration of that would have been nice. But just I feel like it was the film overall was so concerned. With not being too heavy. Yeah. With just being kind of cinematic comfort food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, after, you know, 2020 and 21, cinematic comfort food's not a bad thing. Yeah, no, um, there's
1: nothing wrong with it. But See, just, yeah. The way I think they could have handled it, and this is just my take. Sure. Okay, I love the moments where we are taking it from Buddy's perspective as a nine-year-old child. Make the whole film from Buddy's perspective. (laughs) But instead, we have a lot of other moments and scenes and important interactions where Buddy's not involved and it's truly like adults having a conversation. I'm like, okay, well, then you've just kind of lost me. It's like make the whole movie from Buddy's perspective. Right. Him not understanding what's going on around him and having to process it and make it to where he just is having to kind of interpret what he's seeing his parents go through and, and all that that would have worked. I'm like, okay, then you can keep the film at a very high level. You don't have to get too complex. We're all exploring it from buddy. And the times that the film does that, I think it works. It's just, then we cut away to you know, the, the parents and, and kind of their dialogue and, and issues. And that's when I felt think the film just didn't work. Cause that, that's when I needed that it to be a heavier, more complex subject matter. And it never got there.
2: Kind of like, for instance, uh, Jojo Rabbit, taken yeah. for instance. Now, granted, that's about World War II. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason that works is, you know, I feel like there's just been a lot of exposure to World War II and Hitler. And it's like, yep, yeah, I, I know all that. I don't we know need the story. a lot yeah. of details with that. And so if this had been somehow worked a little bit more along those lines, not necessarily yeah. that he needed to have, you know, <laughs> an imaginary. You know,
1: but I think it, yeah. it would have just worked Well, Jojo out. Rabbit, I think, was – I mean, I think almost the whole film is from – his perspective. Sure. The young boy. I don't think there are many scenes that he's not in the scene. Um, you know, Belfast, I think likes the idea of let's take this from a nine year old perspective, but it doesn't commit to it. It does it maybe for half the film. And then the other half um, are the parts that I just don't think work or, or they try to keep still keep it way too high level and too palatable. And, and it just, uh, it, it didn't work there. Let me, let me, I'm going to call out some positives. Yeah. Let's, let's cause I do, I do think positives. there are some Absolutely. positives. Absolutely. Sure. Look, I'm a sucker for black and white cinematography. Okay, okay. I agree with you. Citizen Just, Kane, one of your yeah, favorite films. <laughs> well, I mean, at the time, that they didn't really have a choice. That's was, true. They didn't <laughs> have a choice to go color um, at that point. But the choice but, yeah. to go black and white cinematography. And I like, there were some stylistic choices made, especially that, you know, the entire film's in black and white, with the exception of some moments when they're either watching a form of entertainment, whether it be TV or stage performance, those are in color. And I thought, yeah, I like that. That's nice. It's like, that's their view into... Somebody else's life, and right. they get to see that in full color. Uh, that works, I think. That that was a nice touch. I mean, yeah, there's nothing special about the cinematography outside of it being black and white, but the black and white was really well done. It looked really good. Sure, um, I think there's some great conversations, there's some great lines of dialogue, especially the ones dealing with the grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought were really good, played by uh, Syrian Hines. Uh, very, very good in the film, and any of the dialogues with him, I just. Really liked. And yes, he got to, he got to carry some of the more meaningful pieces of dialogue, the ones that made the trailer cut, you know, for the film. But, but I see why, because they did work for me. Sure. Um, Okay. Yes. You know, when I started hearing the Van Morrison music and realized that the entire movie was going to be Van Morrison music, it was a little bothersome at one point, but he is a Belfast native. It did work for me at the end of the day. So I know you're shaking your head. So I guess that did not work for
0: you. Uh, you
2: Yeah. It just added to that lightness Okay. Two? Okay. But then it's just like, and I see that he had, you know, he worked on the Mm -hmm. soundtrack with uh, Ken Brown, but it became too much. Uh, That Mm -hmm. was one of my big hangups about the film is I felt like it was kind of an extended Van Morrison music
1: video. Well, but that's (laughs) going to lead me to my next positive. And I understand
2: he is from Belfast. I get it, but
1: And this is outside of the film. This is this is more the production, which shouldn't really back in production, shouldn't really affect my review of the film. But the fact that there are a lot of people in this film and a lot of crew and cast from Belfast, Jamie Dornan, who plays Pa from Belfast, Sarian Hines, I mentioned the grandfather from Belfast, Van Morrison, of course, Kenneth Branagh. And a lot, supposedly, a lot of the cast and crew were were from Belfast natives. I like that. I think that, that that's does, a cool thing. It does add to my it's extra textual, appreciation of the yeah, film, sure. even if it doesn't affect how I viewed what was up on the screen. Um, so, and I think I will say too, yeah, that that was cool. I yeah. do agree that that mm-hmm. was cool. Um,
2: I will say too, uh, one of the things that I've got to see this film twice, which is a rarity. Usually, and yeah. I just see a film once, and um, even on the second time through. I didn't catch all the dialogue because the accents are just rampant, which is good. It's authenticity, but mm. a lot of times I struggle with tricky. actually catching some of the conversations. Yeah, but.
1: that's true. Um, those were my, those were my positives on it. So okay. I mean, did you have any others to add? Say. From you? Yeah. <laughs> you stole
2: the one I was really going to say about the, the use of color, which I did think yeah. was um, impressive. I will say the acting throughout the film, I feel like you've yeah. touched on it. That's the one positive I can really hang my hat on is, the performances are all really solid. Jude Hill as Buddy, I think, is like the one that's really going to shine. Sure. Agreed. But You say you mentioned how there are moments in the film that really need to be hit home. And yeah, those are delivered by Sarian Hines or by, of course, Judy Dench at the very Judy end. Judy Dench is very good. Yeah. <laughs> so she has some lines of dialogue that kind of close the film out. And it's just like, you know, hitting the home. When the home runs need to be hit, they are hit and You're they right. are knocked out of the park. Um, but some of the other things are a little, you know, just a little, they've got the
1: but... perfect Oscar clips to play. Oh, absolutely. If any of them are nominated for acting, let's just put yeah. it that way. <laughs> yeah. um, but let me, let me, I'll, I'm going to go back to my issues and we've already restated a lot of those, but just there are a couple other finer points. I want to point out, you know, again, I, and I don't want to sound flippant about it. I mean, I, I know it's not as easy as just, Oh, a family in Belfast, now there's violence breaking up. Up, oh, let's just up and leave. We're going to leave and leave our home. I get it. It's a little tougher than that. But the the whole core sense of the movie, the whole conflict of the movie is, are they going to leave or not? Mm-hmm. The father wants to leave. He's got a great job opportunity in, in England. And they've got a way that that place that they could live in England. He's already got it figured out. The The wife doesn't want to leave Belfast. And I get that as a conflict, but make and me. And neither un- does the son. <laughs> right. But make me see why. Right. Okay. It can't just be because the nine-year-old has a girl he's pining after in class. That yeah, I the, need more, and I never saw the reason why. Yeah,
2: the mom wanting to stay doesn't really make a lot make of
1: sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and that's the whole conceit of the film. Is right. them The film could have been over in 20 minutes. It's like, <laughs> oh, nope, we got we're out of here. We're done. Sure. So that was an issue for me. And, you know, I mean, even my wife is watching with me at the theater and I think late in the film, after another round of violence had broken out, my wife there over like, I don't understand why they're not leaving. It's like, yeah, I'm um, with you because it's like, film, it's like a the,
2: horror movie where yeah. there's like yeah. there, the house, the haunted house. And it's like, why Why don't you just leave? Just right. leave, just leave, just leave. And, and I,
1: get I get it. It's home. It's all that. But, sure. but the film owes me a responsibility to, to show me how important that is to them. And I never got that. We had our nice, a, a little opening, playful montage, very, very strategically staged montage of kids playing in the street mm-hmm. and sure. all this stuff happening on the street for the first three minutes. And other than that, I never really got a sense of community and never got a sense of uh, longing to be there. It was more just convenient for them to say, we got to be here. Um, So that that kind of broke down the film a lot for me. I never just got that reasoning to stay.
2: At the risk of just being a total curmudgeon, which on this review, I have struggled to be positive because the few positives I had, you had already mentioned.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, I wonder what your take is on. A lot of the uh, scenic shots, to me, felt very drone, especially in the opening when they're, like, showing parts of Belfast. Mm -hmm. And that bothered me Hmm. um, because I I guess I'm just really overly sensitive to people using a lot of drones these days. Hmm. And um, grand, it was to show kind of the Belfast area, but, like, especially going over the tops of buildings and, like, the unrealistic angles that you can Mm -hmm. get with a drone. Like, it just – it really – it bothered me, mm. but okay. not, no. you not so much.
1: Not so much. I, I, I don't think those current day uh, shots worked okay. in, in, in the sense of the film. I don't think you needed them. I think it was a little heavy handed, but um, it didn't bother me the style of them as much. Um, two other quick points. Sure. Just, uh, just to get positives? them off. No, 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 no. <laughs> Just to get them off my list. I'm sorry. Um, uh, the quote bad guys in the film, and mm. by that meaning the, I think is the Protestants, uh, the ones who were the more uh, violent ones, trying to kind of push the Catholics out of the out of the neighborhood, trying to recruit the the father played right. by Jamie Doran, were so cartoonish and mm, so mustache twirling, so lazy. It was just, well, if you don't join us and fight <laughs> with us, there's going to be more problems. You know, it's just, I, I just, I cannot believe it people would have been that on the nose <laughs> and, and, sure. and just that over the top cartoonish villainy. So that bothered me. That just seemed really, really lazy. Okay, and then there's a, a a music performance scene late in the film that I didn't talking about it in the club. Yeah, yeah. That I didn't understand because it's it's a scene where we all of a sudden go to a. I guess it's like a celebration for that the town's having. It's shortly is before it, is it the
2: funeral after one of the characters has passed away. Kind of like a wake and maybe wake type thing.
1: But it's in this really kind of stylish nightclub. Is, yeah. Jamie Dornan is like dressed to the, to the nines and <laughs> singing with like a big brass band. And it's like this big production. I'm like, where are we right now? I, I don't even. <laughs> Did we ever set it up that, that the PA character was like a really good singer and performer. Was that ever noted? Did I miss that in the film?
2: Right. No, I, I don't think you did miss. And then it's like, yeah. and
1: there's this big production number, and there's dancing, and and it's just, I don't, I don't know what film I'm in right now again. I mean, they, they we, I was kind of hoping it was maybe more of a dream sequence thing, but right. Anyway, just the whole fact that this is a very impoverished neighborhood that's, you know, going through a lot of struggles. I get, you know, I guess I'm just surprised that there's this really stylish nightclub with a big full brass band, and they're playing this big production numbers and. It, right in the middle of all that it, it just it just seemed it seemed like one of those moments like we really want this moment to be this big exciting musical inspirational moment and we just got to fit it in the film at least it wasn't
2: a Van Morrison song
1: it was not a Van Morrison <laughs> song but it it just yeah i remember sitting there i was actually looking forward to that scene cuz it's kind of clipped in the trailer mm-hmm. and i'm like oh there's going to be some singing and but then it just kind of came out of nowhere and i i don't understand w- what we're supposed to get from that and and where that's supposed to be in the story. So that was just some, some things I felt like were very cliched put in just to hit certain beats in the film to make it a quote, uplifting film by the end of the day. So I'll
2: kind of sum up my feelings on it and, you know, beating a dead horse here, but um, the characters in the film, Jamie Dorman plays Pa. Mm -hmm. Saitorna Balfa plays Ma. Mm -hmm. Judy Dench plays Granny, Siren Hines plays pop. They're all these like generic, no one has any names. yeah. So the generic nature of the film, kind of like the Big Mac thing I was saying in the beginning, that's what kind of bothered me. I wanted more specificity, more sure. details. And instead everything was kind of, I felt kind of watered down. No,
1: I agree. I, I think that's a good way of looking at it. So it's look, and I know a lot of the, the people we screened the film for with loved it. Sure. And I think a lot of audiences are going to love it because it is, it does serve you what you want out of a film like this. Um, I know you and I tend to look at these films a a little more critically. We try to, we try to yearn for more out of films. So I get it. you know, I'm, I'm sure people here in our review that saw the film are just like, I just don't get it. We, you know, (laughs) it's a great, yes, I think it's a very enjoyable film. And I do think there are some great moments in it. The the performances and, and the look of the film do make it work for audiences. Uh, I do feel like, though, that it's just a shame that I felt like the film could have done could have been a lot more, a lot more interesting, a lot more, you know, um, bringing us into the story, a lot more understanding the connection to the town the city than it did. And just showing me the drone shots of the town now doesn't really build that sense of connectivity that I think they were really wanting for in the film. So um, I'm disappointed in it. I'm not going to say it's a bad film. I'm yeah. not going to say it's it's not what it could have been. But I do think in general audiences are going to find some, some good out of it.
2: I think we're on the same page there. Okay. Yeah.
1: So it's a kind of a tepid <laughs> recommendation <laughs> of but an with okay a lot film. of misgiving. Of an okay film. All right. Yes. All right. There we go. So that is Belfast. You're gonna um, put
2: that quote on the the pull quote on right. a DVD thing, like right? A tepid review of a no. Okay tepid film. review of an okay <laughs> film.
1: Uh, you might like it. Yes, yeah, you, Chris you probably him. will like it. <laughs> so that's the quote. Um, I, we didn't even mention running time, an hour thirty eight. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, I yeah. mean that that's to me that's a good movie like Sure, I I like that. So worked out pretty good. All right, that is Belfast. It is playing in some theaters right now across the United States. It will be mentioned. In some capacity, I'm sure during Academy Awards season, just how much we don't know. We'll certainly wait to see. Um, Okay, Chris, let's move on to our second review, which is the Apple TV original film. still kind of odd saying that as Mm -hmm. just an opening phrase. Apple TV original film, Swan Song.
0: The second you tell your wife that you are dying, your opportunity to do this is gone.
2: You want to go say hi? And Benjamin, clearly, and he clearly he's, he's a writer-director, this is his feature debut with Swan Song. And the premise is, in the near future, a terminally ill man, played by Maharshala Ali, explores a heart-wrenching, emotionally complex solution to save his wife, who's played by uh, Naomi Harris, and son from grief by duplicating himself without them knowing. So basically he's going to make a clone of himself that can kind of slip in and replace him when he passes away. Mm -hmm. Uh, as Alan mentioned, this is, you know, an Apple TV plus original film that came straight there. Benjamin Cleary, um, it is his first feature. He has done some short films, one of which he won an Oscar for. So uh, this, you know, Apple TV Plus gave him the chance to come and make a feature. Alan, how do you uh, how do you think he did with instead of a short film, an hour and fifty two minute film?
1: Um. Okay, and and I'm going. I have no notes on this. I will, I, I finished <laughs> this film. This is film, a
2: still processing review for both I finished both this us. film
1: seriously like eight hours ago okay. or eight or nine hours ago. Sure. So I'm, I'm still. I'm right there with you. And I've slept in between then. So <laughs> it's, um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work on this the best I can as we sure. go. Uh, here are my, here are my quick takes on this film. I, I, you mentioned the premise. You kind of yes. gave the setup. Yes. Which I absolutely love this premise. I thought the premise, the concept of the film was amazing. I, I, I'm still processing what this film's conceit is and this notion again. And I don't want to get super into the plot because I do think there's some things that it's good to learn as you watch the film, but yes, this idea of, yeah, he's, it's a clone to basically take his place because he is dying and he's wanting to have this next version of him care for his family. And and the key is his family would not know. Right. And that's where I think things are really interesting is that then, then you have this conflict to follow of someone who's made the conscious decision to go through this procedure, to allow there to be a duplicate of him with his same feelings, same emotions, same memories, everything. Um, and then to slip in and basically take his place. Yeah. Uh, and his family would never know the difference. Right. And even to the point where after so much time, supposedly that even that clone will forget that there was a cloning process. Right. And he will truly believe. They will not
2: know that they are. Nobody by, will right.
1: remember anything about this. And right away, you start to think about the implications of that. And yes, it is a fascinating, fascinating premise. And <laughs> I thought Mahesh Ali was so good in this film. I really did like his performance. But <laughs> I have some issues. Okay. Um, Some things I think, unfortunately, as we get later in the film, started to really stumble for me. Gotcha. Um, which we can talk about. And I think we can do it without spoiling anything. Okay. Um But I will give the film, I, I'm going to say I like the film for what it, the story it was telling. And I like... The the setting and the production design with with one major exception. Oh, Um okay. hmm. I love <laughs> I love the facility that we spend a lot of time in. It's basically ripped from Ex Machina's you it know a, a a house. It's attention. very similar. Um, this film being in the quote near future, um, I think went really heavy handed trying to show that near future with some really kind of gimmicky. T- tech things that I, I don't think were needed. Huh. I think you honestly could have not even like really had to allude the fact that this is the near future. I think the concept and all you could have still carried for it without the, all the little gadgets that just seemed like they were placed in almost like to remind you hey, we're in the future. Remember <laughs> yeah, things are cool here. We got some cool, uh, you know, it's like uh, Johnny. Uh, what, who's the guy who was the designer for Apple? Johnny, Ive. Johnny, Ive. like, all fingerprints, style-wise, are all over this film with like computer interfaces and all this. Anyway, I didn't think it needed all that. I thought that was actually got to be more distracting after a while. So, like, you, you think know, that's I, why Apple decided. To it have could have been. I like, think hey. Apple was kind of previewing. Oh, by the way, this is kind of the, some of the technology we're working on for They'll the next years. They'll be announcing
2: clones so, like in the yeah, next yeah. Uh, couple of
1: weeks. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say the concept, the overall, uh, the concept of the film, and the lead performance we're both really great. And I'll, I will give a accolade and a recommendation of the film for those aspects alone, but I do have issues. So, but I want to hear your take. So, so uh, for me, um, unfortunately, this is going to be
2: kind of a two for two. Uh, Chris being the, the negative cranky, dude. Chris, cranky, Chris, cranky Chris uh, um, uh, episode here. Unfortunately, this is not a bad film, kind of just like with Belfast. Um, but the stakes of the film present themselves in the opening you know, 15, 20 minutes. And the problem is the movie is almost two hours and you kind of know that I felt like I knew the trajectory of the film the entire time. So it was more like a two-hour grief counseling session than it was entertainment as a film. Uh, The performances, Naomi Harris, Maharshala Ali, uh, Glenn Close and Aquafina have little bit bit parts in this and they're good. Mm -hmm. Um, But just overall, I kind of... It just, it wasn't entertainment and it Mm. felt more like there wasn't enough to say to flesh out, uh, you know, an hour and 52 minute film. Um, There was enough that, you know, interestingly enough, we've kind of hinted that this is this guy's first feature. He's written and directed other shorts. And this to me felt like it had enough meat. There was an interesting premise, but it didn't have enough to sustain the running time. And if Mm. there had been more of a focused down 30 minute short film, it would have worked better. That all said, even though I said I felt like I knew, or knew where it was going, and so, um, I'll say a positive. Um, not having what one would consider action sequences, because mm-hmm. um, they're not, really, in this film. Um, with this kind of technology, you know, you think, oh, okay, there's going to be a big confrontation, or a fight scene, or something like that. There's not. Um, and so, that actually is interesting, mm-hmm. because it has this sustained length of an hour and 52 minutes, but Basically, it's all drama. There's no thriller. There's no, maybe a little bit of suspense, but not really. And I will say at the end of the day, kind of how things conclude, because it was kind of deliberate and slow paced conclusion, I could say that was kind of risky and it worked. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't want to do any spoilers. Yeah, I was kind of of surprised with how things kind of wrapped. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It sounds it, like that it, may have been a misgiving for you. Well, <laughs> now you and I may
1: have to talk offline about okay. some elements in the ending. I'll just say this without, I get the feeling that at one point in the production of this film, there was a completely different ending planned.
2: Ah, okay.
1: Because I honestly Would it felt have been like more
2: typical Hollywood. Yes. Okay.
1: And that's honestly, I guess I was surprised at the end of the day. I'm like, oh, that is how they're ending. And I'm okay with that. I I'm good with that. But the lead up to it, like the 30 minute lead up to the ending, they throw some elements into the film where you're like, oh, are they now turning it into a more of a suspense thriller film? Sure. Okay. Now are they turning it into more of a mystery or they're going to have a twist or whatever? And it's like, they set up all those elements that you really honestly think that there was a version of this film at some point in one iteration of it where it was going to go in that direction. Right. And it was a little frustrating when they kind of pulled back from those elements. I'm like, nope. Uh, sorry, we just teased you about the whole thriller thing. It's not going to go that way. Oh, yeah, no. I know we we tease you that there's going to be a big – there's not a twist. It's, this is the film. And it's like, okay, I still admired it for ending the way it did. Sure. But I felt like they were toying with us in that last 30 minutes to try to add something to the film that didn't really need to be there. Hmm. I think there was enough of a con- of a concept and enough of a plot of the film without – I'm just going to say there's sequences when we have – one of the characters back at the house, back Mm -hmm. in the home. Sure. And we're able to see through their eyes and we notice that they are acting different and some strangeness to it. To me, that was a whole setup that didn't deliver anywhere. And it's like, it was set up purely to just say, well, let's throw something kind of, kind of suspenseful in there for no reason because Mm -hmm. it's never resolved. We never understood why, this character was started acting this way. That's never, never covered, never revisited. So I guess that's where in that last 30 minutes. I was like, okay, you had me, (laughs) the film was working for me and I didn't mind the pace. I didn't mind the fact that yes, it was, you kind of knew the concept, but I was more interested in watching the process unfold to me. I was okay with that. I wanted to see an hour and a half, two hours of how this process was going to roll out um and it just seemed like the filmmakers uh, said well let's weave in some elements because if we just do this for two hours this is going to be not as exciting <laughs> or fun right. as a film so let's throw in some moments where we kind of make people think we're going in a direction but oh nope jerk them back we're not and that I just i felt like they kind of distracted me again as i left the film i'm just like why did they go there well i don't understand i still don't understand why they did that so that's frustrating for me but Again, I had enough enjoyment from watching this concept play out. Even if I knew how it was going to end, even if I knew like, okay, I'm sure these are the steps are going to hit. I still wanted to see those steps. I still Mm -hmm. wanted to see those, those next phases of the story because I just love the concept so much. And um, so, you know, I, I, I did like the film. I think I liked it better than you did. Sounds like, um, I just did have some misgivings with some decisions they made, late in the film and trying to establish what the overall tone was going to be uh, or what the overall style of film was going to be. Well, um, yeah. It's
2: interesting. You criticize the technology, I guess because I felt it was pretty film overall was kind of, there wasn't a lot for me to be interested in. The production design was, I liked the production no, no, design it looked beautiful and the, the yeah. cinematography of the film, everything was sharp and everything. I, I liked all that, but the technology would kind of give me a little eye candy to kind of keep me interested. Oh, so I, kind of, in. I kind of like some of that. Man. And uh, you know, I hate driving cars <laughs> and uh, the self driving car thing. I'm just like,
1: yes. When <laughs> no, no. can
2: when <laughs> can we get there? So i liked I uh, liked a lot of the looks and the stylizers oh, sure. and the stuff. That kind of kept me interested.
1: It was um, more for me the little gadgety thro- things that they would throw in for really just no real reason. A, was, I
2: mean, the contact cameras, those played a part. And no, no, no. Bigger. The contact
1: cameras were made sense. The okay. the self-driving cars. It was the um, – there's a moment at one point where I think, you know, uh, uh, Cameron, who is Marash Ali's character, is working at his desk and a little – A little animated little cube thing floats in front of them, like play a message and it does all this effects. And it's like, there was no point to it. And then (laughs) there's the video games that he plays with his kid remotely. And it's just, it was almost just gimmicky tech, I think, thrown in to say, Oh, hey, we're futuristic. Look how cool we are they didn't need mm. that. I think, I think I was more interested in, I, I like the practical technology that we could see I, truly evolving, but wow. some of it would just, it just didn't work on a movie. I from, cannot
2: really defend on why I didn't like it as much, but you liked it more than me. That's one aspect of it. I feel like I could oh, okay. staunchly defend the technology. So you, you
1: are looking forward <laughs> to the day of the little, uh, of a completely VR computer interface floating in front of you. Yes. And pop up little gadgets and, uh, little uh, vending machine uh, waiters on the on the on the train, <laughs> on the train. Uh, uh, serving you drinks and all. You're cool. With, you're, you're looking forward sure. to all that. So, okay. Sure,
2: all right. And speaking of, um, you know, we mentioned with Belfast, you know, there were certain scenes. Um, and there was the scene in Swan Song, which you just alluded to, was uh, his character, Ali's character, sitting on the train. And he kind of – Cameron was the, mm. his character's name. And he has a meet-cute meet cute with his wife, Poppy. Yeah. Um, which I guess that was a little draw. I was like, really? That's going to be her name? But mm. okay. <laughs> but uh, Naomi Harris playing Poppy. But they basically have this meet-cute over a candy bar. Yeah. And that worked mm-hmm. really well. That scene, that was my kind of my favorite scene of the entire film was it
1: was like the first three minutes, was the though, first right? three minutes, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: basically. But you know, I, I really enjoyed it. and that kind was of good. the resolution of that and their acting. They, you know, a lot of it's just facial gestures and looks and stuff like that, but I, I really liked that. And then after the, I guess it was slowly diminishing returns. Yeah, well, that's a shame. The rest of the film. Yeah,
1: because I, I, I was really with the film and even all through the end, even though I had. Scratching my head at decisions they made late in the film. Uh, I still really came away pretty presently surprised and happy with it. So uh, it's a nice, you know, it's interesting. These Apple TV productions, I mean, relatively speaking, few people are going to see them, even though I know a lot of people have the Apple TV plus, I mean, it's still not anywhere near a Netflix or sure. these other services and, you know, it's not playing in theaters. So, I mean, it truly is like you have to be a Apple person in the Apple ecosystem and know all about Apple TV plus to see this film. Correct. And even so I'm one of those guys and it took some reminding for me to see that this <laughs> film was available to see. Sure. So it is kind of interesting. I'm just curious when people are making these Apple TV plus films, if they really feel like they're going to, they're doing it for getting a big audience or if it's just right now trying to build the prestige of making these High caliber, because this was a high caliber film. I mean, it looked good. It was.
2: Yeah, there was no, it's not like this was a less than film. No. It could have easily been released in theaters.
1: Granted, a very limited cast. Sure. I think maybe we had 10 characters in the But whole big film.
2: names. I mean. Big, big names clothes. in it.
1: And a lot of the production design was very, you know, very elaborate production. And, and, and the cinematography was beautiful. And Sure. So, yeah, it's a very high caliber film. Um, overall, I did like it. I'm more interested in talking about it than mm. I am probably ever watching it again. If that, but, but that's good <laughs> because I like films that. Sure. There's I want to talk about as well. So. About, sure. um,
2: now without spoilers, that becomes a little bit more difficult.
1: True. Yeah. It does. But um, yeah, but I, I, I did like Swan song um, with some misgivings, but overall I thought it was a really interesting experience mainly because I did buy into the overall conceit of the film, the overall plot of the film and it, generally intrigued me enough for me to stay engaged with it throughout its duration. So yeah. All right. Well, that's where we are. So how did we end up on these two reviews? So Belfast, we were both disappointed with, you were probably a, even a little lower on it than I was, but we were both kind of low. This one I'm positive on, but you're, you're, you're lower on.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm cranky, Chris. We're not
1: coming out of either of these <laughs> films adoring them, but I think the, I felt like there was enough. It definitely was swan song to work with. So Um, okay. Well, that's good to know. There we are. That's our reviews. We finished the reviews for Belfast and Song. Now what we're going to do, Chris, you and I are going to take a very quick little break. We come back, we got a couple of movie news items to share. And then we also have our recommendations of the episode to share. So stay tuned. You're listening to foot candle films here on the TV. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson creative a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit TheJacksonCreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Alan Jackson and Chris Fry with you from the Foot Candle Film Society. And we finished our reviews of the films Belfast and Swan Song in the first half of the show. Now let's turn our gaze to the future, Chris. We're looking at upcoming productions or upcoming uh, films that are being made or announcements that we are intrigued by. And I think you and I both have a news item to share with one another. So why don't you tell me, Chris, what what do we have on the news desk for today?
2: So Wes Anderson, I'm familiar with him. You've heard of him. Mm -hmm. Um, He of the French dispatch, Mm -hmm. other films, he has announced I don't know if it's – I assume it's going to be his next film, but uh, we'll we'll see because of you know release dates and everything. But he is actually going to be working with Netflix, uh, Hmm. which I find surprising. Um, He doesn't seem like a – because he's always been about big screen and theatrical releases. One of the reasons why French Dispatch was held for so long. But he has announced that uh, he will be working with Netflix. He is going to adapt a Roald Dahl short story collection, The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar and Six More. Um, This adaptation, the collection itself, features both nonfiction and fiction stories. So it'll be interesting to see whether Anderson adapts the whole thing or just adapts the fiction things. Uh, We'll we'll have to see. Um, But it is coming to Netflix at some point. Uh, Netflix purchased it in fall 2021. So I don't know if production has actually started on the feature or not. It'll be interesting to me, too, to see whether he does um stop motion like he did for Fantastic Mr Fox and Isle of Dogs or whether he does you know mm-hmm. real actors and speaking of real actors they have announced some of the cast in the film we're going to get Dev Patel Ralph Fiennes Ben Kingsley and Benedict Cumberbatch so there's four you know really big names in the film um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what, uh, Mr. Anderson puts out, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested, I'm curious, and I am thankful that I am a Netflix subscriber. So mm-hmm. I will be able to, to see the film. What do you, what do you think about
1: all well, of that? It sounds like a project custom made for a Wes Anderson project. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm like with, you know, we talked about the French dispatch. That is the, the, you love the French Dispatch. I think it was one of your top films of the year. I I appreciate the French Dispatch, even though it it just did not, as a whole, still still work for me, even after a couple of viewings. So, I'm I'm not on the high Wes Anderson chain train and right now. I am. Oh, you are. Yes, I'm kind of like where I was after uh, after he did what was the film, um, the one on the train. Uh, the Dar- Darjeeling limited, limited. Mm-hmm. kind of after that film, I was like, well, okay. I kind of, I'm anxious to see if he does anything a little different. This sounds like this could be that different project, but still playing into his, 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 his abilities. Um, let me tell
2: you a little bit more about it.
1: Okay, sure. So the title story, Henry
2: sugar, uh, deals with a man who steals a book that shows him how to see through objects and predict the future. And this, touches off misadventures involving mafia henchmen working with a Hollywood makeup artist to craft new identities and setting up orphanages around the world. It is known that uh, Henry sugar will be played by Cumberbatch and he'll also act as like a link to the other stories by playing multiple roles throughout. We don't Mm. know what Patel finds and Kingsley are going to do, but we know Cumberbatch is going to be doing Henry sugar. So me, I liked the setup of French dispatch where it was like little stories and it was like a, you know, a combination of the different stories telling, you know, an overall Mm -hmm. arching story. Um, I liked that. I thought it was a refreshing way for Anderson to do something new as opposed to just telling one story like um, moonrise kingdom or bottle rocket or, you know, those, those are just telling a story. And I, even his ones that were stop motion, they were still telling a story
1: mm-hmm. So his
2: approach to telling multiple stories, vignettes, I guess. So
1: like the French dispatch, like the
2: French ship. Yeah. But he's only done that once <laughs> True. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I liked it. Yeah. Um, so not all the vignettes were highly successful for me, as I mentioned when we talked about that film, but enough where that I really liked it. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see with this, which is seems to be a much more fanciful film. Um, and then, you know, doesn't really rev- in the news story from that I got from the Hollywood reporter. So I got this uh, news story from, they didn't mention if this was going to be geared more towards children, but with the raw doll, you would assume maybe it would be. But mm. you, you know, who knows? So I'm, I am highly anticipating okay. this when it comes. Good. To Netflix.
1: I will. I will. Hold my judgment and wait to see when it comes <laughs> out. But it is interesting working with Netflix and it being a Netflix distributed Which I would have never. Uh, production. Yeah. I mean,
2: you would surprise me only, it would only surprise me more if Christopher Nolan announced that he was going to do something for Netflix.
1: Mm. That would surprise me more. Yeah. Because those two directors have been pretty staunch. Our stuff goes to the theater. Right. That's where we're targeting for. Okay. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, but I will obviously wait to see what happens with that. Uh, Chris, let me give out my news item here that, um, I actually saw this like a week or so ago and I immediately bookmarked it. I'm like, Nope, this has to be brought up in the show. And sure <laughs> enough, you and I are comparing notes before the episode. We both had the same news item to share. So I, we agreed that I would be the one to share it. Um, weird Al Yankovic, you know, you and I are of the age where we grew up with weird Al in our life. Um, I can still remember hearing his music for the very first time on a playground at Mountain View Elementary School uh, from a cassette tape that somebody brought in. I mean, yeah, it's still very much part of my, my impressionable childhood there. Sure. And so it was announced that there is going to be now a biopic about Weird Al Yankovic. Now, that in itself, I hear that. I'm like, okay, good. I think that's a good subject matter to do a biopic on but it could go a lot of different directions at this point. So I'm waiting to hear more details. Well, more details came out. (laughs) Um, it is going to be written and directed by Eric Appel, who has not really done anything on the feature film side. Um, I think he did one film that was like a really low budget film as a, as a feature film director. This will be his first like bigger budget feature film. He has directed a lot of TV, Brooklyn nine, nine being one of those shows. I know you and I are both fans of yes. And, um, Uh, Silicon Valley on HBO was also a a show I like quite a bit. So he can direct comedy chops for directing. I do seem to seem to be there, but the biggest, well, let me build up the announcements here on this film. Um, (laughs) this is, so that's promising. I mean, a new director, mostly from comedy TV could work, uh, announced it's going to be a Roku film,
2: that's my biggest
1: that concern. That was where the it uh, started to get a little concerning for me. A, <laughs> I, I don't own a Roku, so I'd have to figure out what I'm going to do about that. Um, two, you know, I don't know of any other Roku original films. So uh, how much is this really going to get a lot of love, a lot of attention, a lot of money behind it? I don't know. However, the big announcement that came out that has now kind of restored my my faith in the project <laughs> is they have announced who is going to be playing Weird Al Yankovic. And it will be Mr. Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe. That's how he
2: introduces himself, I think. Hi, I'm
1: Mr. Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe. (laughs) Um, When I first saw this, my immediate reaction was, what? And then five seconds later, I'm like, okay, no, I get it. I I, I totally, you have to get past the Harry Potter stigma. And once you do that, you're like, oh, yeah, I could totally see this working and it will work. So I'm on board. Um, Chris, I got to imagine you're pretty...
2: I'm I'm pumped on this. The only thing I'm worried about is, like you mentioned, the whole Roku. Yeah, the Roku problem. How will the Roku problem? Yes, because I already do Hulu, Amazon Prime, Netflix, HBO Max. So I just can't Apple TV Plus. So I.
1: Well, here's what we do. We uh, we if we have to purchase a Roku, we we buy one. For for all and then I will use it for like the first couple of days, watch a film, I'll give it to you, you watch it, and then, and we then cancel we'll just the pass
2: it around all North Carolina. Yeah, and we just cancel the service. <laughs> so we basically pay for like, one
1: month of service and that's it.
2: I so. mean that would I guess work. Um but yeah, Daniel Radcliffe, I because I'm such a big fan of Swiss Army Man. Yes. Um I heard that he was cat and I'm like, Yes, totally see it, totally see how that works. Um yeah, and I, I think he's just since the Harry Potter his performances in that, the long run he had in those movies. I think he's been interested in kind of really doing off the wall, mm. kind of shifting himself. Cause he is a good actor and I can't think of anything better than to do like a weird Al biopic. And I am hoping because I saw this guy also has, um, I guess some history with that. I guess it's a web channel or a website, funny or die. He's done some mm-hmm. stuff with funny or die. Yeah. Um, I hope they take this thing where they actually just, Make up a bunch of crap about Weird Al that is mm. not in the least bit true. Yeah. And then they'll have some of his like albums and stuff. Because, you know, what I've always heard about Weird Al, don't know him personally, unfortunately, is that he's a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. And other than the fact that he has a lot of albums in a long run, like there's not really a behind the music story arc for this guy. Like, it's not like he's yeah. had all these dramatic turns and like peaks and valleys. We're not that we're he aware hasn't we're had a anyway. battle with drugs or anything like that. Like, yeah. no, he's just a dude, you know? So I'm thinking like, you know, as far as stakes in like a biopic, usually you, you need those type mm-hmm. things. But I think it would be really hilarious if it's just like bizarre. Like mm-hmm. it's just this bizarre biopic that, yes, it is about a guy named Weird Al. Yes, he does albums. But like everything else, like Could be. he's brought – he's actually from another planet. And that's their whole angle on this or something. Like I think that would be amazing. Well,
1: Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> is co-writing the film. So the, I'll, I'll say okay, – again, I'll just be this Which one. Which can
2: the, be leery because like say, Rocket Man with Elton John.
1: that's And that's my film criticism side coming out. It's like, okay, but keep in mind, yes, this is going to be a – it's got a potential to be a very, you know, safe, sanitized, you know, uh, kind of portraying the image that needs to be portrayed instead of somebody on the outside coming in and making a film. But it being Weird Al, I kind of want him involved in writing this <laughs> thing because I do agree it has the chance of being something really more interesting and fun and creative. Uh, I think they're going to take that comedic angle oh, with I it as my so. gut feel, because only because of the quotes that came out with the announcements. Sure. Have you read, like, what how he announced it, like – Let me just read that for you. sure when he when it was announced, this is part of the press announcement of this film. uh, Weird Al Yankovic says, uh, when my last movie UHF came out in 1989, I made a solemn vow to my fans that I would release a major motion picture every 33 years, like clockwork. I'm very happy to say we're on schedule.
2: (laughs) See, and that's the kind of thing that I.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then he goes on to say. I'm absolutely thrilled that Daniel Ratcliffe will be portraying me in the film. I have no doubt whatsoever that this is the role future generations will remember him for. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. See, and that I kind hope, of thing. Like, yes. Yeah. If they
1: continue that kind of <sighs> playing with the format. I mean, they even, even the head of Roku quoted saying, we didn't feel like there was enough biopics out there, musical biopics. So this is like us throwing our hat in the ring.
2: Okay. You're only getting, I, you're only getting me more excited. I hope for they take thing.
1: that tone into the production and the fact that it's a Comedy sitcom writer uh, or director also directing this. Yes. All the elements are in is place. is there
2: any chance yeah. – mm-hmm. again, I'm, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. You can't see that, podcast listeners, because this is audio only. Um, but is there any chance that they would consider – Roku, please, if you're listening to this, please do consider this – releasing it into the theater mm-hmm. as well possible. as
1: having it go Roku? I mean, look, I, Netflix and Apple and some of them have had theatrical releases right. of their films, so – It's very possible. Come on, Roku. Yeah, you got to do that, (laughs) Roku. That would be great. Well, I I am excited. I think this will be a fun project. I hope it's a fun project. Uh, We will certainly see. I think filming is supposed to start here like any day now. So we may be about a year and a half out from seeing it. So it could be uh, summer 2023. Okay. Um, It would be my guess. Maybe fall 2023 at the latest. So uh, exciting. We'll definitely see what happens with that. All right, Chris. Well, that is our news items for this episode. Uh, we have to move on to our recommendations. Mine is a little tepid. I, uh,
2: a tepid uh, replica So this w- is like the Belfast review.
1: It is a little okay. bit. I mean, I just, uh, I, I've told you before. I, I, I feel like I've tapped all my recommendations. So gotcha. basically, I'm to the point now where my recommendations are really, I have to see a film in that given week to make a recommendation on gotcha. it because I see kind of,
2: films but we review them for the show.
1: Well, we review them for the show <laughs> or if I see films I don't like, I don't want to recommend, <laughs> then I'm not going to recommend them. So, to gotcha. see films that I would recommend that we're not already covering in the show watching a couple a week as it seems. Um You do a lot better with the recommendations than I do. You always have some great recommendations. I'm excited to hear yours. Mine will be a retread of one that we've talked about before, but I have a reason for revisiting it. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. Chris, what is your recommendation for us on this episode? What should we be checking out?
2: So uh, this film is available for free for those who have their library subscriptions. There's a service called Hoopla. So you you can go on there and watch like three free movies a month. I think it is. Um, But this is one that if you subscribe to that service or can get that service, You can watch this film for free. So there's that. Uh, It is Corpus Christi. It's from 2019. And um, let me just kind of read the description here. A pious 20-year-old juvenile delinquent is sent to work at a sawmill in a small town. On arrival, he dresses up as a priest and accidentally takes over the local parish the arrival of this young charismatic preacher is an opportunity for the local community to begin the healing process after a tragedy that happened a year prior. Mm-hmm. So basically it's a guy pretending to be a priest. Um, really interesting film about a community and about how people interact with other people. I will say this is not a film. It's subtitled. So that may discourage you from watching it with your children anyway,
1: because
2: <laughs> um, mm-hmm. kids are like, I don't want to sit here and read for you know two hours. Um, it is, I thought it was really good, um, but it does have some really tough material in it. Uh, there's some prison stuff that's really hard to watch and kind of brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that doesn't bother you and mm-hmm. you don't mind subtitles, uh, Corpus Christi was a really good film that kind of, it was nominated, I don't think it won, but it was nominated a couple of years ago in the best foreign language film category. And so uh don't know if it won or not. But uh, I've had this one on the radar for a while and I watched it and uh, I can uh, heartily recommend it. So that's Corpus Christi um, and uh, check it out. It okay. is available for free. I
1: do nothing about it. So uh, it has been added to my watch list. Thank you very much, Chris. That uh, sounds interesting. Um, yeah, mine's boring. Uh, I, you know, Just again, you always just bring up such great, you, you really dig in and, and try to find some interesting films to watch. And I, I, I do not. So yeah, uh, I'll say this.
2: I'm. I'm re- actually really curious no, to hear what your it's recommendation not is.
1: Um, so you and I reviewed the latest James Bond film, No Time to Die. Yes. On the show, I believe. Yes. I try to recall back to what my review of that film was. I even looked back through my notes, and I remember it was. It was okay. I mean, I I came out of the film saying it was fine, but I also think that I might have been going into that review maybe a little jaded if i remember the kind of the time frame i mean this is a film that had been delayed for so long oh yeah and when it finally came out i think there was a lot of built up expectations and that when it did kind of come out it kind of felt like it just had a kind of a a whimper as far as like people I it. was like ah okay it was you know people were expecting it to kind of be a spider-man no way
2: home and it wasn't
1: right so I think I I probably left the theater with that impression. And also, I do recall, I think I did sleep through a little bit of it in the middle of the film. Never a good sign. So uh, some friends were over and wanted to test out my home theater, and we were trying to look for a film to watch that we would all kind of agree that we would want to see. And none of them had seen the new James Bond film. I'm like, well, I've seen it, but I'm like, I don't mind. It'll be fun to watch it on the home theater here. And we did turn it on and watch it. So I'm here did to re- you fall asleep this time. No, I did not. Okay. And I'm here to re- revise my review and actually turn this into a recommendation. Okay, I actually think this is really good. Um it worked for me this time around. And I think maybe because I was able to, I kind of knew the plot machination, so I didn't have to sit here and try to figure all the mental gymnastics to figure out what was going on. Sure. and just appreciate the film for being a really here's the thing. It is a gorgeous film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is probably one of the best looking action films i've seen in a really long time as far as the cinematography the production design the the look of it there's some shots in this that i'm still like wow that's a really, really great moment and great shot involved um did and, the ending
2: hit you any harder this time or
1: you know the ending still worked for me okay. it still was uh, packed a pack to punch i think okay. it actually maybe worked a little bit better this time around okay. and uh i think the problem was the first time around i did not quite understand what the ramifications were of the, like why the ending had to happen the way it did. did. Gotcha. Now I totally understood it. I'm like, Oh, Oh, okay. I get it now. And then (laughs) it did have more of an impact on me. Sure. So I'm going to say, look, I think no time to die is really good. And, um, you know, the director, um, Carrie Fukunaja, um, he's got, he knows how to direct a good film and direct a good action film. And this has got some amazing action set pieces and Daniel Craig is great in it. Um, you know, I still think of the Daniel Craig movies. I think Casino Royale, his first one, is my favorite. Okay. This is probably now crept up to second. Oh, I wow. actually okay. probably like it even a little bit more than Skyfall.
2: Whoa, um, whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. whoa, hey, hey. No, I'm
1: serious. I, <laughs> okay. I really do think it works a if little bit better like for me. you like this
2: film better than Skyfall, I would say it is definitely a qualified recommendation. Yeah, so <laughs>
1: it's it's better than Skyfall. Okay. Um, so it's probably the second favorite of the Daniel Craig ones. And, uh, it just, it just works. It's, it's got an actual ending. It's actually got a plot. It's, it's hmm. there's stakes. There's a uh, meaningful relationships. Um, it, it just, it worked for me. So I'm, I'm here to say I'm revising my review. It has raised an expectation. Yes. I am giving it a recommendation now. So that is awesome. no time to die. It is available for rent anywhere. You can get it for five ninety nine on, um, uh, all the streaming services right now. So Yeah. That is my recommendation.
2: Yeah, i I see in that recommendation. Even though you were a little leery of it, it makes me want to recheck that movie out because I think I'm going to respond to it better.
1: It's just a good looking film. I mean, that's the thing. Is I, I there is one sequence where it's uh, people rappelling down the side of a building at night. Yes. Before they break into the, oh, so I mean it's, it's beautiful and okay. uh, some of the action sequences I can still look back to. I am still going on record that um these the composure of the film which was um shoot
2: is it zimmer
1: yes he did all the he did all the uh, dark Knight films with uh christopher nolan uh there is a piece of score in a scene in this movie directly lifted from he just clicked and dragged yes (laughs) i and i'm more convinced of it now after watching it a second time i sat there intentionally waiting to hear this like nope that is exactly a did piece it, of theme it, from the dark knight in
2: some film. way like winking reference batman or no it no. just it was just
1: lifted wow. i was, honestly felt like it's like i got the impression that I mean, this is a two-hour and forty-three-minute movie. They may have told Hans Zimmer that it was a two-hour and twenty-minute movie, and, and he's so he like, "Oh, I need like another ten minutes of score to throw in this, and I don't have one, so I'm just going to pull it from <laughs> here." That's the impression I got. Because just, I really
2: hope that's the case, because that's
1: awesome. <laughs> it's like you told me two twenty. Like, what do you mean two forty? I got to come up with another twenty minutes. Well, you score? didn't
2: pay me for two forty, <laughs> so, so I'm just going to do this.
1: <laughs> that's amazing. I, know, I just I, as soon as I heard it, I'm just I'm the one geeking out in my in my room, and the other guys are like, eh, "We don't." know what you're talking about. I'm like, "No, I'm serious. I even made them like listen to the wow. Dark Knight score afterwards to hear that theme." So, anyway, it was a it's a it was a fun viewing. I'm I'm here to say I recommend it. No Time to Die uh, available everywhere for rental right now. Okay. Chris, I think good show. Uh Belfast. Yeah. We were we were okay. Swan Song, I really like Chris was more eh, on that. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe is as a young Al, uh, a weird Al Yankovic. Absolutely. Super excited. Super on that. board, super ready for that. The other news item was, uh, the Wes Anderson film doing the Ronald, Ronald, Ronald doll,
2: Ronald doll, doll adaptation
1: yeah, yeah. for Netflix. And then we had our, uh, recommendations, Corpus Christi from Chris and no time to die from me. So with that, Chris, as always, if anybody has feedback, suggestions, ideas, or questions, How do they get a hold of us?
2: You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. You can follow both Alan and I on Twitter at footcandlefilm, or there's at Alan Jackson or at Chris Fry, but uh, at footcandlefilm is uh, the better way we announce like upcoming podcasts. Alan and I are also on Letterboxd, where we track what we're seeing and sometimes leave short reviews. If you do like this podcast, which we hope you do, and if you've made it this far in the podcast, odds are you do like it. Uh, Consider giving us a star rating, write a review, share with friends, and iTunes to help us reach new listeners. We'd appreciate it. We're also available in iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. I will let you know that the Foot Candle Film Festival is going to be happening in 2022 from September 21st to the 25th. Uh, if you are a filmmaker, we would like you to submit before May 1st and you can save some cash that way, or the final deadline it would be June 1st. So and that's all through Film Freeways where you can find out how to submit.
1: Yes, correct. And uh we're excited. It's gonna be another fun year of the film festival, and uh we got some exciting announcements we'll be making more as we go through the year on that festival. So we hope you will plan last weekend of September. Go ahead and pencil it in. Go ahead and you know, block your yeah. block your dates. Uh it's gonna be here. Come visit us in beautiful uh, foothills of Western North Carolina. We would love to have you here. All right, Chris, we're going to wrap it up then. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Chris, for your involvement, as always, your input, your curmudgeonly uh, (laughs) reviews, cranky, curmudgeonly (laughs) reviews. And uh, we will talk talk with everybody next time we get together. Thanks, everyone. See you
2: in the ticket line.